welcome to 600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to help create a better digital experience for everyone. My name is Travis Self, front-end developer here at LifeBlue. With me, as always, is our director of culture, Caitlin Potter Studley. Or just Potter? Studley Potter. Studley, dang it. That's not how that works. <laughs> Maiden name is first. Maiden name is my middle name now. Caitlin Potter. I'm just going to call you Potter. That's that is fair. And this week on the episode, we are talking to a uh, spaceman, Marshall Culpepper. The spaceman, our local spaceman, Marshall Culpepper. He's the CEO and co-founder of Cubos. It's a pretty cool company. He is. The star man that David Bowie sings about. <laughs> he is definitely the star man that David Bowie talks about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we get pretty heavy in this episode. We talk about uh, our mortality. We talk about meeting Buzz Aldrin. Uh, we talk about sending your kids' favorite characters to space. It's a it's a pretty exciting episode, if I uh, if I'm being honest. It's the the most science heavy episode we've ever had, for sure. That's so. true. Get ready to geek out with us as we talk to Marshall about his company that builds software for the space industry is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, the differences between designing for Earth and designing for space and what those look like. It's good stuff. All right, let's give it a listen. Marshall Culpepper, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the long drive from Denton to Plano to come join us and sit with us on the pod. It was my pleasure. <laughs> was it your pleasure? It was. I love driving. So. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Hopefully you yeah. had some other good podcasts to listen to on the way here. I did, actually. That's so. The, that's exactly right. <laughs> what are you, a uh, good, good thing to kick it off with? What else are you listening to? I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, but my favorites are one called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. It's all about scientific skepticism, so like applying the scientific method to your whole life is the oh, basic okay. idea. Uh, and then I really, really love um, pretty much um, anything that Neil deGrasse Tyson does. So um, he has uh, Star Talk, which is like really big podcast. Uh, I listen to that quite a lot. Uh, Sam Harris. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, some Seth Rogen, not a lot. Uh, you know, all of the serial podcasts. I mean, serial. I mean, yeah. everybody loves that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably got, and then. Um, Let's see, The Big Deal, which is like a Denton-centric podcast. Nice. Um, anyway, but I've probably got 10 or 15 in my awesome. list. So. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Well, yeah. we hope we'll make the list uh, after. Yeah, absolutely. After this one publishes, then you'll yeah. have to listen because you'll be convinced of how great we are. So Yeah. Uh, well, all those space podcasts were probably a good setup uh, for your introduction. For anyone who doesn't know Marshall, he is the CEO and co-founder of Cubos, which I was afraid I was going to pronounce incorrectly, but we clarified that. So you nailed it. It's all good. I nailed it. I stuck the landing. It's good. Uh, I will let you talk about what Cubos actually does since you are much smarter than Travis and I. Um, so why don't we uh, let you give us an introduction, tell us a little bit about your background and maybe tell us a little bit about Cubos. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, five second int- uh, recap of me is uh, I've been writing code for about 25 years now. I uh, started when I was about 12, um, started professionally when I was about 16, uh, started doing open source at the age of 16 and um, have kind of found myself 
as a early employee of startups um, ever since the age of 18. And so I've been in a lot of high growth tech startups centered around the idea of making money around open source technology um, since the beginning of my career. Um, and recently um, I went uh, and started my own company about five years ago called Cubos. Um, but the software I've worked on has been pretty vast and widening, wide, like wide in terms of like what it does. But uh, about seven years ago, I was given this opportunity to join as the first employee of a space startup that was putting these little things called CubeSats into space. And the idea was like they needed the software person who was going to write all the software on board the satellite, but also the software on the ground. And um, they essentially said, come do that for us. And I said, hell yeah. And um, <laughs> within less than a year, I had written the flight software and ground software for three CubeSats that were launched and deployed from the International Space Station. Wow. And it changed my life pretty much irrevocably. Once you put something in space, you can't go back. Uh, I wasn't, <laughs> I mean, space is cool as a concept, of course, but like I was never really a nerd, space nerd until I had put something in space. Then I realized how it's like a, it's like a transactional thing. Once you've done it, you can't go back. There it's was like, no yeah. turning back. Yeah. And, and you just had to keep sending stuff to space. I really, yeah, I really did. Um, and so that company, you know, ended up um, having to pivot and change their business model because it wasn't very good. But um, that experience let me um, take my background of software and specifically software platforms and frameworks and think about like, how could I apply that skill set into the space industry? So the, the beginning of Cubos was the idea of like, what if there was a standardized software platform for space, just like there is for mobile and for uh, for PC and all this other stuff. Um, there's no reason it can't be for space too. And so that that's kind of the core concept behind my company is a like end-to-end -end software platform for the space industry. Wow. Yeah. So does that mean like, what, I'm trying to think of what what would a space centric software. What are the kind of challenges that 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 weren't that that there was not a solution for that you're creating solutions for? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of stuff that exists, of course, already that is out there, but is like very like you know in silos, right? So there's software that, for example, we we call it flight software. It's the um, it's like the intelligence on board the spacecraft, right? So it does everything from like. Uh, talk to the radio so that like you get a signal back to ground. Um, turn the satellite so you can point and like take a picture, or like uh, turn it so that you can like get uh, solar rays from the sun and like charge your solar panels. Uh, you've got an electrical power system that has to discharge its batteries and charge them, things like that. There's all these little things we call subsystems within a spacecraft that have to be like essentially like um, you know managed as a whole system. And the software that does that is the flight software. And so there's a lot of off-the-shelf um, software you can buy today for that. But a very kind of piecemeal, and most most times it's like very custom to the mission as well. And so what we wanted to do was like make all that part and parcel. Like if you're making a mission, you should just focus on what your mission does, which is like what we call the payload of the mission. And so um, what we're doing that's different than what exists in this sense is like instead of like developing custom flight software for every customer that we have, we just sell them an off-the-shelf solution. Right, it's an open source project with support basically, and they can use that to write the very specific function of their mission they want. Save them a ton of time, get them get them to space quicker, um, and use something that has already flown in space and had a, a good track record. Right, so that's how we're different. And then um, that's that's the flight side, and on the ground side, you know, you've you kind of got like two two sides to every computer system. You know, you think of the web, you've got the web browser and the web server. In space, it's the same thing. You have this, the satellite itself, which is a computer system, and then you've got the ground systems, which are also computer systems. And so Major Tom, our other products, so CubeOS is, is CubeSat operating system. It's an operating system for satellites. And then Major Tom is like 
uh, a SaaS product. It's like a, a web-based SaaS product that is for operating missions on the ground. It's for humans, right? So you think of uh, the movie Apollo 13. They say, Houston, we have a problem. And zoom in on the room full of nerds with computers, right? <laughs> uh, those computers are running Major Tom. That's the idea. Um, and so, so that's more of a typical kind of software. Yeah. Piece it, of software, yeah. yeah. User interfaces and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we care deeply about user experience at Cubos. And uh, one of the main reasons we exist is like, when I started this company, that not only did I want to bring my background, but it was clear how antiquated software in the space industry was, um, both from like a engineering methodology, but also from a user experience standpoint. Uh, if I showed y'all screenshots from some of our competitors, you would just cry. You would, you would just quit your <laughs> podcast. You know, like life sucks because it really is that bad in this industry. Um, and so it's ac- actually an unfair advantage for us because, like, we we are all very you know experienced software and product people, and like we know what modern user experience should be. And so what we're coming with is like you know decades ahead of the the game in this industry. And so all of our customers really love the ability to just like, for example, a really like notional concept like if my operations team is like spread out across the world, like now it's no big deal because it all runs in the cloud. Like it seems basic to us because we do everything online already, Mm -hmm. but in the space industry, it hasn't been that way traditionally. So, um, you know, we kind of get to like relive the, the technology, like, um, uh, advancements that have happened in other industries in the last 10, 20 years. We get to re- we get, we basically get to play the same playbook in the, in the space industry. It's awesome. kind of what we're doing in a nutshell. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. So how is, I guess as an extension of that, how is designing for space different than designing for Earth? Oh, that's a good will? question. Yeah, well, um, so we have two kind of like two sets of users. So um, you guys know about the term developer experience. Have you heard this word before? I've heard of user experience. I don't think I've heard of developer <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know if it's in the same context of, that you're about to elaborate it, on. but It is. So it's developer experience. The way to think about it is it's like a, a subcategory of user experience. Mm-hmm. So user experience is just the experience your users have when they use your product, right? More, more or less. Developer experience is a more specific version of that because if your users are developers, they have a different expectation of what the experience should be yeah. than maybe normal users would. Does that make sense? So if you since you yeah. came from Mozilla, are you yeah. talking about the team that works on the developer edition of Yeah, exactly. Firefox is dealing with they know that their end users developers. That's right. Have you ever used uh, Firebug? Uh, yeah. for Firefox oh, yeah. development. So Firebug is another good example. It's like okay. a developer-focused tool, but it has an experience that developers love. Mm-hmm. Even though it's technical in nature, it's it's geared towards what the developer is going to be, what's going to make their job the easiest yeah. and like yeah. what, what gives them joy ultimately. Okay, right? yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so um, on the KubeOS side, which is like a very technical product, it's, you know, it's all programming this, you know, headless flight software. There is no real user interface to that. It's all just automated software for the most part. We give a very high level of developer experience to that product where they have an off-the-shelf SDK, they download it, they use a really simple to use command line utility to build, deploy their products onto their satellite hardware when they're testing it, uh, upload files to their to their satellite hardware, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to like off-the-shelf SDKs like the Android SDK. Um, so we think about developer experience when we're thinking user experience for KubeOS, but when we think about user experience for Major Tom, operators are sometimes engineers, but not always. You know, they're usually smart but they're not always engineers. So um, we, we really come at that from very similar, you know, principles as traditional earth-based, you know, user experience systems. Um, the biggest challenge that we have that's different in Major Tom versus traditional, like, web-based SaaS products or whatever is the fact that, like, you're talking to a system that may not always be continuously connected to 
the system you're using. So in other words, you can't assume that like, if I, if I tell a satellite to do a thing that it's going to happen right away, like the pass that happens where the satellite actually gets the command, maybe like 10 minutes from now, or maybe an hour from now. And so there's a whole like, um, disconnected nature of, um, queuing commands and like receiving telemetry and all these other things that have to be like scheduled and, and managed. And so there's a lot of management of that fact in our interface. That's a little different than most, like even like a, another, a similar platform, something like Datadog, which is like very, very similar to our product in a lot of ways, cause it does analytics of data, but, um, it's very focused on like always connected servers. And so it's like all real time, but our stuff is, it can be real time. And sometimes it is, but it's not always real time. I have to live in a world where you're not always connected to the thing you're trying to talk to. So you said that you told us that your favorite thing to do is to send your kids' favorite characters into space. Yeah, it's fun. Did you mean literally sending your? Mm-hmm. So, so what? So, are we launching like plush toys and stuff? Up <laughs> this well, so um, it's literal. There, there's a little bit of uh, flourish there. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> a, just a little bit, not a lot. Um, when I say send my kids' favorite characters to space, what I mean is not literally uh, to space, like on a rocket, like orbiting the planet. What I mean is um, about a third of the way to space, where it's so high that you literally see space and the curvature of the Earth. It looks like you're in space, but you're not actually in space. So that's the flourish. Like, uh, <laughs> like the space jump guy or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Did you see Felix Baumgartner, the, the Red Bull jump guy? Yeah, that guy. You, you saw him? Yeah. Yeah, so he was doing the human version of what I do for my kids, basically. So, you know, what? I don't know if you were aware of this, uh, Caitlin, but basically, um, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, maybe a little bit less than 10 years ago, yeah. there's this guy, Felix Baumgartner, who wanted to set a world record uh, for skydiving, mm-hmm. and it's all about altitude, right? So what he did was he was like essentially batshit crazy. He literally put on like a, an astronaut suit, and he, <laughs> he went in a weather balloon, and he went all the way up to the stratosphere, which is where these – this is where – this is how I do it. I send balloons to the stratosphere. Mm. Okay, because we did so, a Google search earlier. We were like, this must be what he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's That's the thing. Um, so you can get, uh, in a ballpark, you can get to about, um, you know, around 30, 35 kilometers in altitude uh, with one of these balloons. Mm-hmm. And 100 kilometers is what we call the Kármán line, or it's like the demarcation point for space. So you're about a third of the mm-hmm. way there to space when you do one of these balloons. Um, so the payloads I send, I mean, they're little tiny little foam boxes. They have some electronics cause it's all about hobbyist stuff for me. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like a raspberry Pi or like a big old black, you making some, you know, running some software I wrote cause I, I like to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it, at the, the important part for me, and this is where I really love it is there's a GoPro like connected on the outside of the, you know, of the thing. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little stick that comes out the body and on the end of that stick is like the plush or the whatever, right? Like my, my, my kid's favorite character, whatever that is. And so I've got a few of them now. Um, and so what you do, what what you get from the output of that is you get this two or three hour video, uh, of the entire ascent and descent process. And of course of, of the black of space and the curvature of earth and all that, but your kid's favorite character is like the center of the show. So they're, they're at the center of the screen, um, on top of all that. So it's like a very inspiring thing. It's like, we're going to send your favorite character to space is like the basic idea. <laughs> yeah. And the kids love it and they, they really get into it. And um, I've actually even done it um, a few times professionally. I, I did it for a company that wanted to make a commercial. Um, we sent their little uh, corporate mascot to space mm-hmm. uh, in like a, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, we need to but, show him our like life blue mission yeah. slide. It's like a big photo of the earth. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we need to, we need to get life blue into space. Can we yeah. get the life blue logo? Oh, absolutely. In space. Absolutely. You should ask Jesse about that too. By the way, he and I have done several of those blends together. So oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. So, so how do you do they come back down? Is this a stupid yeah. question? No, it's not a <laughs> do stupid question. Do you get question. your GoPro? Back? No, no, it's uh, I love basic <laughs> questions because uh, I don't like to make assumptions. Uh, the um, yeah, so basically the way it works is you it's a weather balloon, right? And so you've got um, you've got essentially helium in the balloon that lifts it, mm-hmm. right? And there's a point in the atmosphere where it gets thin enough that mm. the helium essentially becomes buoyant. Okay. So down here, it's much lighter, but yeah. as you get higher, it gets the, it starts equaling out. And so when it starts to become buoyant, the helium starts to expand in the balloon and eventually okay. it expands so much that it just pops the balloon. Uh-huh. And so what you do is you put a, like a parachute under the balloon uh-huh. and once it pops, then it's just like parachuting down to earth. Gotcha. Um, and this guy that we were talking about earlier, Felix Baumgartner, he did all of that, but he was, he was on the balloon. So it was a massive balloon, obviously, because to take a 150 or 200 pound person to space, you know, I mean, the balloon has to be massive. It's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. So because the, the payloads I send are like a few pounds at most. So and the, even those are very big balloons. That's um, crazy. Yeah, they're about 10 to 12 feet in diameter. Can so, you. Yeah. So how do you know where it's going to land? Uh, so that's a good question. Um, <laughs> the, like, okay, the, the short answer, how do you know? It's the short answer is like... you don't. The short <laughs> answer is you don't. Uh, the long answer is you can do, uh, models and prediction on it and you can get a vague sense of where it might land. Okay. But, uh, in my experience, I've at least, I'm also not very scientific about it. In my experience, I've never been able to like get much like insight from that process. Okay. What you end up doing. And so the, what's engineering and fun for me about it is, you know, do you end up on a scavenger hunt trying to find, well, yeah. So you, you have a radio on there is what you do. And you program your payload, your, your computer on the thing to send a location, a GPS location back over the radio to your own receiver. There's two problems with that. Okay. One is (laughs) the two big, real, real big problems. So much. I love this. Well, okay. So to get your radio uh, signal back down to earth so you can receive it, it's got to have enough power, mm-hmm. which means it's got to be directional, which means now you've got to be pointed at it. Uh, okay, so now you can see the second problem. The second problem is if you're not pointed at, at the radio and within range, you're not going to receive the location. So guess what that means? Mm. The fun part of the balloon is not the balloon itself. It's the chasing the balloon during the launch. And so literally <laughs> you are, you're driving all over Kingdom Come trying to make sure you don't lose this thing. And if you do, it sucks because like you could actually lose it. Um, and we've, I've lost, I think I lost one or two now, um, balloons of the like seven or eight that I've and done. That means you lose um, the toy, right? Well, you lose you everything. Lose you lose GoPro. You lose the like, <laughs> Ooh, the GoPro. Well, it's, it's a that. relatively decent investment in money. It's like you lose electronics, you lose the GoPro, you lose the toy, like you said. I was concerned yeah. about the, the camera toy. <laughs> yeah, I'm you lose like, all the it. GoPro. <laughs> so in every case that I've done this, I've always bought like a spare toy. I haven't bought the like, sure. not the one that they actually have. I bought like the copy of that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Have That's they sent uh, Ray or any no. other Star Wars character in the space yet? Okay. So the ones we've done, uh, the first one was Curious George. That was my daughter's favorite cartoon character nice. when she was like younger like three or four kids still like curious george there was a new version of it oh, uh, really? they did a new cartoon version of it on pbs for like several years okay uh, yeah. and my my kids just absolutely ate it up we still even to this day play it uh, every now and then um wow. it's a really great show um yeah so curious george was the first one and then we did let's see we did bendy or not bendy sorry uh benny the spaceman uh so lego movie did y'all watch lego oh, movie yeah. Yeah. so okay. you know the, the, the guy that goes spaceship a lot Definitely. yeah 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 so he was like a whole thing um and so the cracked you know the cracked visor and all that yeah 80 something space guy yeah (laughs) um i actually made a youtube video of it if you want to check it out oh cool send you the link yeah it's it's a lot of fun um tweet that out yeah 
and uh, yeah, so those those were the two that I did uh, several years ago, uh, and we're planning one now uh, with, for Bendy. So sorry, I got I got them mixed up. <laughs> Bendy uh, and the Ink Machine is like a mm, an action. Game. It's like an action horror video game that both my kids are absolutely obsessed with. Um, horror video. Game. Yeah, it looks like it's, one of those. It, it kind of looks like um, interesting. Uh, cup. Cuphead. Cuphead. It's in that oh. old style. Similar. Like, like okay. Yeah. There's old some cartoon style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Well, they yeah they kind of created it in this. Was too hard. <laughs> that game, yeah, that's Cuphead. an understatement. Under, Mugman, it was so hard. Understatement of the year, man. So that game yeah. is difficult. impossible. So difficult. I just throw my controller at the game when, when I'm with my son. <laughs> we try to play it like we just can't pass any of the levels. It's I feel like, <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Than that. I mean, I know it has that reputation, but I still yeah. I felt very discouraged when I was playing. I was like, this is really hard. <laughs> Super hard. Yeah, it's no, uh, it's no Super Mario Brothers. Indeed. Well, it's it's one of those games where. I mean, the difficulty in it is in the actual uh, gameplay. It's like you have to memorize the patterns of every single level. Otherwise, you can't beat it. Yeah. That's pretty much like, like those, the challenge. Those of it. older games, yeah. too. I mean, it's all about That's like true. pattern memorization and stuff like that. That's a good point. Um, all right. So uh, changing topics here. Uh, were the pyramids built by aliens? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes or no? In my so well in my life, I I, I don't subscribe to 100 uh, well, percent accurate you, answers. But yes, I would say that the answer is no. <laughs> okay. Prove it. If somebody prove who listens it. to no, Sam, um, Sam Harris podcast would say you're the one. Enough. You're the one making the claim. You prove it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm sure you. I am. I am very good with epistemology. Have yeah. you? Yeah. Have you seen ancient aliens before? Uh, no. Really. You know, I mean, I know guy, what it is. The guy with the crazy hair. And yeah. the, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen the meme. Yeah, yeah everybody's yeah. seen the meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love, love the meme. I'm not saying it's, it's not crazy. possible that like there were aliens a long time ago, but you know, the fact that they helped us with technology. I mean, you know, unlikely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know, why posit that explanation? Yeah, there's it's so much. To, there's much simpler ones. It's fun to think <laughs> about. Yeah, fun to think about for sure. But yeah, yeah probably yeah. not. It is fun to think about. I agree. I, you, I love Stargate for what it's worth. It's really you go, it's one good. of my favorite sci-fi shows. Yeah, there you go. So, kind of thing. <laughs> which is basically that's what it's about. Yeah, so. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So have you met um, Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye or any of those guys? Yeah, um, I I haven't met Neil unfortunately, but I, I have met Bill, and I I, um, I wouldn't say we know each other, but like we've met each other several times. Uh, we, we've had several conversations. Is this um, at like conferences and stuff? Yeah, like conferences. Actually, when he was here in Dallas, we talked for quite yeah. a, quite a while. Um, and we were also both at a skeptical conference together where yeah. I talked to him for a while. Cool. Uh, and we've had some email exchanges and stuff as well. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan and for a long time have been of the, um, the planetary society. He's the CEO of okay. the planetary society. Awesome. And, uh, I know a few of his, uh, board members as well at the, at the planetary society. So they're, they're, they're a good group. Cool. Yeah. Let's level up that question and ask, have you met any astronauts? Uh, I have, although I'll be honest, I can't remember most of their names. My favorite one is Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> I mean, by, by far, Buzz Aldrin is my favorite meet of all time uh, in terms of space. Um, does Buzz Aldrin have a Twitter account? We'll, he we'll does. tweet at him. Yeah, he We'll tag him when we, when we post this episode. Yeah, he's extremely active on Twitter, actually. He's got oh, a nice. pretty big following. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, Buzz um, came through Dallas on a, I think it was promoting a new... Um, it was during the 50th anniversary of Apollo. They had done a new uh, portrait, paint, like a painting of him and all the other surviving astronauts. Mm. And they unveiled it here in this, in the, what was it called? The um, Old Parkland uh, in downtown Dallas. And so I was at that event with a few others in the startup community actually were there. Um, and we all got to meet Buzz. It was incredible. Like I just, you know, we I talked like, 
I was beside myself. I'm t- I talked about with this man selfie sticks in space because that's what he wanted to talk about. It, it, I mean, I, I there was not a better, more apropos like topic in that moment. What are his thoughts <laughs> on selfie sticks in space? Oh well, he has a whole thing about how he invented selfie cameras, and so the, the, yeah, so <laughs> hell yeah, yeah, yeah. So his his claim is that the camera system that was invented for and i can't remember which apollo mission it did. maybe it was the one he was on yeah but i don't remember all the details but anyway he he apparently the apollo program invented this camera system to take pictures of themselves as they were doing stuff and i think it was for the astronauts as they were like on the moon or whatever it was and he's like yeah we had to invent the selfie stick and the selfie camera so like we could like take pictures of ourselves doing things because like we didn't have the ability to like sit there and record each other in these giant you know astronaut suits or whatever <laughs> and so he, he basically claims ownership of selfies uh which i, I you know who am i to argue with that i guess because sure, yeah. <laughs> how could you push the <clears throat> the button with the with the glove on you know exactly well there's so many other like can you carry it right yeah. like yeah, the helmet will it you know screw up your field of view i mean exactly can you even see through the eyepiece yeah exactly you know? this is you know what? <laughs> He's, yeah he did <clears throat> yeah Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, There's so good. many interesting things around this topic. My brain goes in like 20 different directions, <laughs> but I know we asked you, um, yeah. we always like to ask our guests, like, is there anything up and coming in your industry that you're excited about or that intrigues you? Anything about technology or trends or things like that? You had put webasm in space. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. It's probably not. Uh, web ASM. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, well, is, it, is it short for WebAssembly? It is, okay. yeah. Um, WebASM is WebAssembly. It's the same thing. Oh, I uh, it right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Before, without jumping off a cliff of technical detail, um, basically WebAssembly is like the concept of like making a common runtime for the web. And uh, there's a lot of people behind it, Mozilla being one of them, uh, Google, um, quite a few others, uh, Microsoft, I believe. Uh, in any case, there's a company that has uh, is trying to put WebAssembly compiled like code on a spacecraft um and the idea is like using web technologies in space which was like really really close to how i started this company and so i'm just very passionate about like that very very specific intersection of (laughs) of, so like the internet in space is what you're saying sort of but more like um yeah i mean you're not wrong it's it's more like um you know the web is like this global platform that can be used to develop software for anyone who has a computer, right? That was always the concept. Like it's like this write once run anywhere platform kind of, mm-hmm. obviously that is not exactly true in real life, but it's, that's at least <laughs> yeah. the aspiration. Sure. Um, and that platform has, has had a ton of success. I mean, you know, immeasurable success. And um, you know, where that one, one corner of technology that that platform has not crossed into yet is in space and so to see that happen i just think is really cool i don't think even i don't even know if it really has a practical reason to exist <laughs> i just i like i sometimes like technology for technology's sake i'll be honest with you so i'm, you I'm a software guy immediately yeah. post the <laughs> yeah the selfie on instagram yeah exactly from the spaceship yeah so you can write your yeah. node.js app and send it to space yeah exactly. that's the basic idea right. <laughs> is that still the Cubo's uh, slogan, send stuff to space. Yeah, actually. You guys... Uh, send code to space. Send, send code, code to space. To space. Yeah, yeah. So. Did it used to be send stuff to space? Originally, it... it was send stuff to space. Okay. That's right. Yeah. All right. I was like, I'm, I remember the OG days. That's Those were, yeah. We, we updated it to send code. It's all just a little bit more on the nose. It's a little, a little more yeah. accurate, probably. Yeah. yeah. Also, so that we don't think you're actually shipping your children's stuffed animals in to space. a little rocket. I mean, you do that too, to space. Yeah. Well, and we do... Well, we also do... The, another thing we do that's fun is we have... Um, 
for the customers that let us do this, we'll put photos on the like the SD card or like on the external storage of the spacecraft. So like we'll do family photos and stuff like that on there, which is like, yay, my bits are in space, you know. <laughs> but it's fun still, yeah. So yeah, I've talked to my wife about this quite a bit. When I die, I want my ashes shot Sent up to into space. space yeah. Oh yeah. Is that and a that's thing a thing. You can, you can totally thing. do that. Yeah. It is, yeah. She's like, you got to pay for it yourself. It's, it ain't cheap, fine. but you can definitely do it. How much Hopefully it'll it be cost? cheaper by the time I die. Yeah. Well, um, if you befriend Elon Musk, you'll be set. <clears throat> and just put him or in a I Tesla and then he'll shoot the Tesla into space. That's right. <laughs> I could, you could send it up for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So, we okay. Get you to the stratosphere, no doubt. That's true. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't remember all the facts about that off the top of my head, but I can tell you there are a few companies doing it for sure. Like yeah. it's definitely plausible and feasible to do. Um, That's what I want. It's not cheap. It's like, so, okay. Best case scenario, you're right now paying like, let's just call it twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a kilogram. Uh, a kilogram. So, and your ashes, Ooh. your ashes probably weigh something like three or four kilograms. I'm, I'm ballparking. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but I'll just, just ballpark one of my kilograms up there. You, yeah. You so to, you're probably going to gonna spend a little K. bit of weight before you die. I'm well, sorry. How much is it? How much well, is when a you funeral? burn down, you know, <laughs> how much is a funeral in like a cast? You can sift too. You can, you know, 10 grand. We'll just get the big chunks, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Just, I don't need all of me. Just some of me. Just the big chunks. Or just my brain or something like that. Your glasses. Something memorable about you. There you go. Yeah, but <laughs> I like the I, the I concept it. of that is. No, nah, I like, want to go the opposite concept. route. I want to do the seed pod thing. Like, I want someone to plant me. Plant you. I want to be. Yeah, a tree. but then somebody will just chop you down later. Yeah, whatever. That'll be it's true. It's fine. We all go back to the earth somehow, anyway. Right. Unless you go to space, I'd rather be in space, yeah. floating around for eternity. Nah. Yeah. I don't That's want to be. I, th- space I think. I think it's a cool. Well, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. There's the poetic. Go pollute the universe, well, Travis. I, I do think there's a poetic side to it, and I also agree with like what you're saying. <laughs> the whole uh, Neil deGrasse so, Tyson. But, we're all yeah. made of space stuff, you know. It's true. I mean, that's actually true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Literally. So going back to space. Exactly. I mean, going back to the Earth is just another way of saying going back to nature, and space really is just part of nature. So let's, you know. That's true. Yeah. Might as well just get yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting heavy on the pod tonight. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Deep. That's probably a good segue to one of our final questions that we wanted to ask you which was do you see humans living on mars in your lifetime um you how long we'd have to wait well the, here's the question how long do you think i'll live great <laughs> no, question i don't know how old you are technology oh, is I'm, accelerating I'm at a rapid pace oh, oh i agree uh, Marshall, 50, 50 i know and, and the acceleration is also accelerating that's the problem another 50 so, years maybe yeah okay so let's yeah let's just assume i live another 40 to 50 years okay um in that time frame yeah, I think we'll see humans on Mars in that time frame. Whether or not we'll actually live there, like have settlements, for example, that's maybe another question. But, but we'll see somebody step foot on Mars, maybe. I think we will have sent somebody to Mars by that time frame. That's I'm I would bet on that. And his name yeah. is Elon Musk. Uh, I actually don't know he'll be the first to go. I he's mean, working on some Mars thing, right? Oh, for sure. But he's uh, yeah. Sorry, I meant to say he he won't be the, he person, won't be the person that does it first. He'll, he'll be you know probably. Close behind, maybe, yeah. maybe the third ship or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll send him out first just to yeah. test it out. He'll make yeah. a helmet that just like the face of the helmet just has his face on it. He's so gonna it make like a, a a rover that looks like the Cybertruck or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that would be Mars rover. <laughs> I, like I would that. totally do that. The Cyber Rover. <laughs> I, like that. I like that a lot. It's amazing. That is great stuff. Yeah, the Cybertruck. Hmm. I feel like I also want to just ask you for a fun fact about space because I feel like you probably know so many things about oh, space. Gosh. Being such a space nerd. Well, like, yeah. Well, you 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 make me choose some one cool thing about space. Okay. I mean, you can list as many as you want. Um. I mean, this is a very this is a Neil deGrasse Tyson ism, but it's something that is so so profound that I I can't 
not mention it. Like whenever you look in the sky, you're looking back in time. You are literally performing the work of a time machine because what you're seeing is coming from the past. Yeah. Fucking incredible. It is. I, like, I, I don't know how, like how to beat that. Yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> that's that's pretty mic yeah. Drop. yeah. That's it. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool things about space, but that, that one's pretty cool. Science is cool. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I like to talk about a lot is the, um, the pale blue dot, uh, idea. Carl Sagan. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there was like, back in the seventies, there was a, uh, Voyager mission, which was like one of the first that, um, explored the outer solar system, like beyond Mars, <clears throat> got pictures. Of, it was the first like pictures of like Neptune and all these other things, Saturn that we ever got. I think in any case, uh, around the time that it, I think it was at Jupiter, Carl Sagan, had the mission team point the spacecraft back at Earth from uh, from Jupiter, and you know the picture that it took is like completely unremarkable, and that's kind of what's remarkable about it is like what you see in this photo is like bands of light that are like you know reflection like you know over exposure from the sun or something, and in the middle of all these bands of light you see this like tiny little blue star and it's like it's like a speck of nothing on on the image and there's this whole essay he wrote about how everything that we do and everything we're connected to every person we've ever heard of or we love in our life or whatever we're all in this stupid little pale blue dot and uh put things in perspective that's another yeah it's just like again mind blown you know like that's that's kind of what i like about science and space in general is like just like it it has an ability to be spiritual but without the like overtones the baggage of religion religion. (laughs) exactly yeah i love that i i feel like when you talk to people about the vastness of space it either goes one of two ways they're either terrified by that or very relieved by it and i find i find myself very relieved i'm like on my worst days i'm like all right i'm just a speck of dust in the universe like nothing matters yeah exactly (laughs) Ah, what a relief and then other people are like, that's terrifying. Nothing matters. I'm just yeah. expecting like, no, no, no. It should be very reassuring to you. Yeah. yeah. Like your existence is just a blip. <laughs> and like, no, that's terrifying. It's awful. I'm like, oh no, I, I find I sleep very well at night. It's like, I don't you that. feel great? You're a blip. Yeah. You're, you're just you're a piece of dust. Yeah, I'm nothing. just dust floating so through the sky. You're dust it. on dust. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, here's the way I look at it. I mean, um, you know, the realization of like how insignificant our portion of reality is, is actually really, really inspiring for me because like that means there's that much more to explore. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Perfect. Like it's an infinite, infinite amount yeah. more to go yeah. from here. Like, you know, this earth is definitely not enough for us. We need more. Yeah. <laughs> so there's plenty more for us out there. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, on that very deep uh, philosophical note, where can people find you and learn more about you and your company online if they so choose? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is kubos.com, K-U-B-O-S.com. And our Twitter handle is kubostech, T-E-C-H, K-U-B-O-S-Tech. And then uh, my personal Twitter handle is marshall underscore law. Uh, which I've had for a very long time. Uh, Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, come check me out on Twitter. Come check out um, our website. We have an open source community for our our operating system. We've got, you know, uh, like 650 different engineers in there at any given time developing Mm -hmm. flight software, um, which is fun. Uh, And then we've got... um, We've got like a medium, like a blog, and you can check out all, all we're doing. It's all open source. We do it through GitHub. So, nice. very cool. Yeah. Uh, any other plugs for anything going on? I know you're a big Denton guy. I I'd am. Love to give you the opportunity to plug anything you've got going on there. Yeah, absolutely. So we just we're in the process of kicking off a pretty big initiative in Denton right now um, around starting a brand new accelerator fund uh, for the city. Very cool. Um, more details will be, will be coming soon, but the idea is um, we're going to start attracting 
two cohorts or two cohorts a year between four and five startups um, focused on creative tech uh, and uh, education technology. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We've been putting together the fund and uh, raising money and um, getting uh, city stakeholders and all that. So we're we're kind of like not quite there yet, but we're we're getting close. And so uh, more more to come. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. We know you're yeah. a busy dude, so we're very grateful uh, yeah. that you came to chat with us and share all your space knowledge. So I'm sure we will be asking you back at some point in the near future, maybe with Jesse uh, to come chat with us about more about open source or whatever other fun yeah. topics. But this has been, I learned a ton during this episode, so I'm really grateful. And now <laughs> I know how you uh, can get a balloon to the stratosphere. <laughs> Fill it so with lots of helium. That's good. And we learned that we're just dust on dust. Yeah, we're, we're dust on dust. dust on dust, so... <laughs> On that note, I hope everyone sleeps well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.